Yeah. There you go. All right. Okay. All right. Um, so let's go ahead and, and pray. And then I'm, I've got a, a, one more thing I need to share with you. And then we're going to dive right into our lesson. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come before you this, this, uh, this morning. And, um, and we just want to say thank you. Thank you for always being our God. Always uh, being there for us when we need you. That you never leave us or forsake us. Um, that you always are willing to give us wisdom when we ask for it. And I know that in my life, uh, the reason sometimes that I don't have wisdom is I just don't come to you and I don't ask for it. Um, but the reality is, is I need you every day. Uh, every day there, there's always something that's going on where I need to be able to run to you and to be able to talk to you. And so this relationship that we have with you is, is incredible and what a miracle it really is. And so I pray God this morning as we discuss some details about uh, the future and, and what things are going to really look like. I pray, God, that you would open up our understanding, open up our eyes, give us a vision, give us excitement for the things that you're doing in the midst of our church um, and even what you want to do with us in the future. And so uh, we thank you for giving us the mission that you've given us to reach the world and to make disciples. And I pray, God, that we would take that uh, very seriously. Um, and so help me to say the things that I need to say properly today. And I pray that we all would be able to leave here uh, just more excited about the work that you've given us, uh, with more of a steadfast heart to uh, be faithful to you no matter what comes. Um, over the course of the last couple years, we've really seen how this world is just crazy and things can turn on a dime, but your mission stays the same in the midst of the ups and downs of the world that we live in. And I pray that um, everybody that's in this room, as they continue to mature and grow into uh, adults that will honor and glorify you, at least that's my prayer, that they would be able to stay firm, stay focused, stay faithful, that they would be able to really follow hard after you, to fall in love with you, and that they'd be able to reach many, many people until you come back. And so, Lord, help us this morning. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, so one thing that I needed to, to talk with you guys about today is uh, some of the transitions that need to take place at our church because of uh, starting um, Greentown Baptist Church. Uh, some of you have kind of thought things. I know there's been discussions. Pastor Jay has already had meetings with the people that are going to go and be a part of that church. And so that happened, um, I don't know if that was last week or the week before. I can't remember now. There's too many things that are going on. My mind is just like crazy, full of all, all these sorts of things. Anyway, but after that meeting unfolded and people are now making decisions on where to go and what to do uh, and how all those things are going to unfold for them personally, it made sense to talk with you guys about what does that look like? Because, I mean, we're starting a church and we're sending out like 100 people and then their kids with them too. Uh, so there are needs that are going to be here and there's needs that are going to be there. And so what does that look like? I'm sure many of you guys have even thought about some of this stuff before, right? And so with that in mind, there's a few things that I do need to share with you. So first of all, with Pastor Jay starting up this church, uh, Megan and I are going to be stepping out of the senior high, which <clears throat> I've been very objective about it so far. Um, and uh, it's, it's going to be very emotional for, I think, both of us as we do this. Because um, we've been doing this for a long time. I mean, a long time. I, you know, I think back of when I stepped into the junior high back in like 2006. 
No, I joined the church in 2004. I did some camp stuff in 2004, but uh, it was like 2006. So like you guys were like barely born. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so um, it's been incredible to be a part of it at that point in time. And I remember when I took a year off to teach adults and then stepping back in <clears throat> in uh, 2013, actually beginning of 2014 in that January to do the senior high. And then we've been doing it since. Um, Man. So, um, and the reality is, is that with, with these sorts of things, there's a void of responsibilities that are needed. And so even though this is something that is uh, difficult um, and it's going to take some time, um, it's something that is very near and dear to my heart. And I think even in leading up to it, you know, part of the reason why those of you that were there on Tuesday, like I was so stinking hard on you on Tuesday, it's because of some of these things that have been in my heart. And, uh, and I want us to succeed, and I want us to do well. And when we make these transitions, the enemy is going to want to take you out. And I feel like with a lot of you, we've just become accustomed to the things that we've been taught and the things that we do, and we just get used to it. When you don't really realize that the things we do have a purpose and it has a reason behind it. Like when we talk about everything we talk about on a Sunday morning when it comes to even the lesson that we're going to go through today, uh, when it comes to one-on-one discipleship, I feel like a lot of you, and it's easy to do and I get it, because I did it too, we take things for granted. Uh, we take things for granted and we, we don't realize the things that we've been taught and what we've been entrusted with. And what happens is, is that we come to a certain point in time in our life where I just things get extremely difficult and then we realize, man, we should have gotten serious like three, four years ago. And so I want this to be something that as we talk about some of these transitions and some of these things are going to take place, that it would actually light a fire underneath you to, to really take advantage of not only what God is going to give you through this church, but also the future church and the people that you're going to be able to reach as a result. And all the stuff we're going to talk about this morning, I want it to be something that it almost hits a reset button for some of you. Because I'm not kidding around that we've got two, three months, and then it's game on. And we can't wait until that time where that trigger is being pulled in order to, now I'm going to get serious about my faith. Now I'm going to get serious about reaching out to my friends. And so that was my heart behind Tuesday. Um, and with the things that I said and how I said it. So... Um, with that, you know, as far as some of the other changes that are going to take place, um, I thought I thought it was funny. I was actually going to joke about it. I was just like, hey, the moment I decided I was going to step out of the youth ministry was when uh, we got teepeed last Saturday. Uh, because not a single youth ministry has ever done that in the entire time that I've been the youth leader. <laughs> Except for you guys. Like, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> um, which, by the way, my kids end up cleaning up. So, um, wow. the things that we could clean up, I think yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. It's terrible. Oh, yeah. The funny thing about that, that is the only night I don't know what it was, but that was the only night where I felt like I needed to close the blinds, which I never do downstairs. <laughs> and I, I went around the house and I closed all the downstairs blinds, and I'm like, That's, I felt like I needed to do it. It was so weird, and that was the night you guys see me. Yeah. 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 All right. So. So anyway, so to get us back on track a little bit. Um, I don't know if I can. <laughs> so, with us stepping out, Andy's going to be taking over. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you, I only want real Christians in here, ones that are really walking. If you're not doing good, just leave. Oh, Andy's Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, just, see how long we go with that running. December fifth Fool's Day. Um, anyway, no. Um, so with us, with us stepping out, Corey and Heather are going to be stepping in. Hey, Heather. <laughs> And, uh, and that's why they're here with us this morning, but he's going to be stepping in as the youth uh, director. Um, and if you, if you are here long enough, that's, that's actually the title that Pastor Jay had before he became pastor. And so uh, with this move, it's such, a, it's such a big move of sending out a bunch of people and the timing of it and everything um, that it made sense to, to be able to, to do this. Because with the void of Pastor Jay leaving, uh, I'm going to be stepping more into his role. So I'm going to be taking on more of the music ministry um, and all the things in detail with that. I'm still going to be overseeing uh, everything that I currently do, at least at this point in time. So that means that the singles all the way down to the nursery that I'm responsible for, I'm going to be overseeing all that stuff. Uh, but we're going to be working closely together over the course of the next couple months, um, as we have been already, um, just to start making some of those changes. And uh, they're going to be with us as much as possible. They can't make our Christmas party because they got a life group Christmas party. Um, but as far as Sundays and Wednesdays and other events, they're going to be with us. So you can, they can hang out with you. You can hang out with them, get to know them a little bit. Um, and then with that too, um, at this point anyway, Andy and Jamie and Rick and Megan are going to continue to serve in here until God makes it clear otherwise with them. Um, so anyway, <laughs> so it's too much love, too much love going around. Um, and then uh, Bobby and Brady are going to be heading up the youth ministry over at GBC whenever that ha that unfolds. So uh, there's a lot of work that we have to do in general. Um, I've already started working closely with, with them and with, with Corey and Heather just because I want to try to set them up as much as possible um, for just succeeding. Because, I mean, in reality, and this is something that I've talked with both of them about, and it's as you guys get older, you'll start to understand some of this stuff. But um, it's one thing to be a participant in ministry or in a ministry, like this is your ministry and you kind of do your thing. It's another thing to be a lay leader in a ministry and to have that ownership, um, which I hope that many of you guys will have, have the burden for youth ministry on your heart, that in the future God develops it and that many of you might even be involved as lay leaders or even future leaders or pastors of youth ministries um, or even singles. Uh, but then it's another thing to actually be completely in charge and to have that weight of responsibility on your shoulders. And so I feel not only is it part of my responsibility to set you guys up for this transition, so that way we can succeed both here and there, but I also feel that way about all of our leaders and about those that are gonna be stepping into these roles. I really do. And I take that very seriously. And so I feel like <clears throat> if God were to uh, call us all out on the carpet, that is one thing that I do not want to let him down on. Um, that I want to try to do everything in my power to make sure that I'm being as faithful as possible because some of you guys are going to go and you're going to be part of that youth ministry and the people that you're going to reach. So everything that we've been doing over the course of the last, gosh, I mean, you start thinking about it, it's 16 years. I mean, all the way down from when you were in the, the children's ministry all the way up through. I, I don't know if you realize, but the things that we do from the children's ministry all the way up through, it's all connected, like all of it. 
And so we've, we've done things and we've taught you things as a child. If you've grown up in our church or if you've come in, whether you came in new as a, as a kid through VBS or you came in uh, when you were in junior high or even in senior high, everything that we do has a purpose behind it. And it's to set you guys up in order to be faithful to the Lord in every stage of life that you're in. And you guys are in such a unique stage of life to reach uh, some people that you'll never see ever again that you really need to take these things to heart. And so um, here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. Um, We have this going on. We're starting a new church, and yet we're not there yet. Um, And one of the things that we have to be very careful of is that we don't operate separately until it actually happens. But we have to start thinking differently before that day comes in preparation. And honestly, like there were two illustrations. I was joking with Corey about this one because we met this past week. There's two illustrations I was thinking of. One is graduation. So many of you are like, oh, can't wait to graduate. So I'm like, oh, I don't want to graduate. Oh, I don't even know what I'm going to do. Like, where do I even go? School? Okay. So you're in school and then you're having to think about when you graduate and what you have to do thereafter. And it can be a huge burden, but it's not here yet. It's not here yet. And so what generally happens is when you've made your decision on what you're going to do, and now it's your senior year, what happens? What do you tend to catch? Senioritis. Senioritis. Why? Because you're sick of school? You're ready for the next phase. And you know what that does? It makes you unfaithful. It makes you unfaithful with the here and now, the present. And one of my fears, not just among you, but among our adults, frankly, is that people are going to start to get senioritis. They're going to start looking at something that's happening in the future when it's not here yet, and it's going to cause them to be unfaithful now with what God has given them now. So we have the challenge of continuing to operate as a youth ministry now, as we are, but yet preparing for what God is going to do in the future. And you may not feel it right now, but you will. And we need to make sure that we're faithful all the way up until the very end on that day where we commission that church and those of you that are going to go out and be a part of that church to do the best that we can with what we've got. Because we still have three months. It's not a whole lot of time. It really isn't. But at the same time, it's enough time for us to continue to do what God has given us to do and to be faithful. So that's just a word of warning that I want to give to all of us, not just you guys as students, but to all of us that we need to make sure that we're staying on guard uh, with that. Um, so there's more. The, the situation is, is more concrete than it ever has been, but things are still fluid. Um, so, but we felt that it was appropriate to at least let you guys know about these things now uh, so that we can have the freedom to talk and to operate and to start functioning. Um, and I'm also going to have a meeting after church is over today with uh, any of your parents that are interested in, in talking about it or at least hearing about it. So I'm going to make an announcement during the, the main service that right after the service is done, we're going to meet in the Fellowship Hall to share some of these things with them um, and then to be able to answer any questions that they might have. Because uh, we've got thoughts about camp. We've got thoughts about Mexico. We've got thoughts about you know just discipleship and you know how we're going to operate. There's all sorts of stuff. So we're going to talk about all that stuff um, after the main service. All right, so if you guys can make it to that meeting, drag your parents along, that would be very helpful, so that way everybody's all on the same page and we don't cause any sort of confusion, okay? All right, okay, so that led me to talk about this lesson that we're going to talk about today. And so, um, does everybody have a study sheet? 
If you don't, raise your hand. Okay, we got a couple. You guys know when you come in to sign in for a nothing's changing. It's gonna happen. Okay. All right, copies are gonna go be made. All right. Okay, so while copies are being made, um, I'll just kind of share a little bit about my heart on uh, this this message and then what we're going to be doing on Sundays and Wednesdays hereafter, kind of leading in. Um, so many of you, back when we did our survey at the beginning of the school year, you talked about, I really want to get better at evangelism. And so evangelism is something we're going to be focusing on. Um, and uh, Bobby's going to be taking some of the stuff on Wednesday. I'll be taking some of the stuff on Sunday. And we're going to be talking about that. But the reason is, is because we're getting ready, practically. We need to get prepared for the mission that's ahead of us. And so some of these things that you might feel insecure about when it comes to, you know, when we're starting a new church or the people that you want to invite, that you're hesitant with inviting someone to church, we want to try to talk about some of those things to give you those opportunities to shore up some of that stuff. But I kind of want to go through, we've talked about this a lot uh, because we just do in general, but I want to talk about the work of the Lord from this perspective of what I shared with you this morning. And so when you really look at um, our purpose and what God has left us here to do, because the moment that you get saved, God did not immediately take you to heaven. Did he? No, he didn't, although that would be absolutely incredible, and that would be great. Why did he not do that? There's work for us to do. Yes, there's work for us to do. I thought you were raising your hand. Okay. <laughs> that looked like a raise. Anyway, all right. Yes, there's work for us to do, okay? And one of the things that is amazing to me is that in the similar way that God sent Jesus, and he became a man to be an ambassador and really testify of the gospel, of the grace of God, here you have us doing the exact same thing. You know, we are sinners, and those of us that have trusted Jesus as our Savior, we are now born again, and we are His ambassador. We are His representative. And so the moment that you get saved, there is no one better to reach another person other than you. There is no one better. Like, you might feel that you can't, you're wrong. There is no one better equipped to reach other people than you. And here's why. You were lost. You still at times struggle with sin. And you should know the gospel. And you know God who authored the gospel. And so if he's been gracious to you, you know how to share that same stuff with other people. In a way that will be super relatable. You're the best person to reach the people around you. The best. Like, you can do a better job than anybody else. Otherwise, why would God do this? I mean, think about it. Why would He... This is the best plan. If this wasn't the best plan, and if God decided, you know what? I'm in my glorified body. I've just resurrected from the dead. I'm just going to go around the world, and I'm going to preach the gospel myself. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty good idea. He'd probably do a bang-up job at it, right? But He didn't do that. He didn't do that. He left it in our hands, which is incredible. That is incredible. And so it is our job to glorify the Lord, and primarily it's through worship. Through worship. Go over to Genesis 22. Genesis 22. This is the first time that the word worship shows up in your Bible. Genesis 22. Many of you know the story. But in Genesis 22, what do we got? 
Who's, who's, uh, who's on the stage here? What do we got? Abraham and Isaac. And what is going on? God told Abraham to take his son, go to a certain mountain, and kill your son, your only son, the son of promise, the one that I told you that you were going to have when you thought you couldn't have any more kids. Right up here. He needs one too. You could have given him a paper cut. Watch it, Bobby. <laughs> and so here you have this going on. And here it says in verse 2, God says, And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And then drop down. It says in verse 4, it says, Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his, unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. So this first mention of the word worship in your Bible is directly connected with personal sacrifice. Personal sacrifice. The thing that you love the most... God is challenging Abraham, I want you to lay that down and I want you to sacrifice that to me. And here Abraham's attitude is, I, we're going to go and we're going to go yonder and we're going to worship. And that's incredible. So when it comes to the work of the Lord, there's a lot of things that we may not really want to do. Um, or there's things that we may not want to give up, but God's very clear on it and saying, hey, you need to give this up for me. Or hey, you need to go and do this for me. Are you going to worship the Lord? Or are you going to worship yourself? Because that's really what it comes down to. You're either going to worship the Lord, and you're going to be obedient, even when you don't feel like it, like we talked about on Tuesday, or you're going to worship yourself because you don't feel like it, and you love yourself more than God. That's really what it comes down to. And so to worship means to adore, to pay divine honors to, to reverence with su supreme respect, veneration, thanksgiving, submission, and obedience. And so here's the key. We glorify God through our free will offering of sincere worship of Him and obedience to Him. We glorify God through our free will offering of sincere worship of Him and obedience to Him. So your worship of God... Truly, like in your heart. Now, this is something that no one else can see. They can't see the midst of your heart. They can't. They can't see what's going on in your heart, for sure. But they can see your obedience. And you can tell a difference between obedience that says out of sincere worship or obedience because, ugh, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. You can tell. You can tell. I remember there are several moments in my life where the, the, the light switch just went off for me. Where it was no longer, I'm doing this and I'm kind of just going through the motions and this is what I'm supposed to do as a Christian, to I love God and I must serve Him. There's a big difference. Big difference. And I want you guys to try to learn this early. Because I feel like a lot of you, you come to church because it's what you do. But then there's others of you, you come to church because you love God. And you want to walk with Him. And you want to be faithful to Him. It's a game changer. It's a game changer. And so I'm really hoping that through some of these events, even of what we've been talking about, even what God's going to do over the next several months, that that light switch will go off for you as well. Okay, so we worship the Lord. We glorify God through our worship. And that means, the first point here, is that we worship the Lord through the work of the Lord. And that is evangelism. Evangelism. 
All right, let's go over to John 17. John 17. I hit this chapter every single time we talk about the work of the Lord because it is the clearest chapter in your Bible that lays out the work of the Lord. John 17. John 17. So we worship the Lord through the work of the Lord. Alright, so Jesus, when He showed up, there was a moment in John chapter 4 where He said that He was going to glorify the Lord by finishing the work that God gave Him to do. That there was a work that He was going to finish. And there are two times in the New Testament thereafter where He said, It is finished. It is finished. The first time that you can recall would be what? On the cross, where He said, It is finished. But before He died, He said that His work was finished. And He said that here in John 17 where he says in verse 4, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. This is going back directly to John 4, 34, which I already have that one on your guys' study sheet, I think on the point previous, where God says, I have work for you, Jesus, that you need to do. And he's like, yep, I'm going to do that. And here he says, I've glorified you. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And so this first thing that he has laid out here is evangelism. And it's verses 6 through 8. Someone read that for me. 6 through 8. Go ahead. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, in, and thou gavest me, and then they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them. And have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Okay, these three verses encapsulate evangelism. So let's just wor work through this a little bit, alright? I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. So, manifesting. Give me a good definition of it. We've done this before. What is a manifest? To make known. To make known. To make known clearly. Whenever you have a airline manifest or a ship manifest, what, what are the details on that piece of paper? Anyone know? Anyone want to take a guess? Go ahead, Sam. The, where the ship or airplane's going and the times for it? Yeah, and the contents. Everything inside of it. So not only what it, what it is, where it's going, all the details, but everything inside of it. So if you had a shipping manifest, it gives you, I mean, detailed line item of everything that's inside of it. So that way you know that when, okay, we're shipping these things. Okay, now it arrives. Okay, do we have this? Do we have this? Do we have this? Yes, we've got it all. Perfect. And then they reconcile and everything's good. Part of Jesus' responsibility here from God was that he was to manifest God, God's name unto the men that he received out of the world. Your responsibility in evangelism is to make God clear. Make Him clear. Make Him known. So, and it's not just a, you know, hey, here's God, and the people say disagree. No, it's you tell people about God, they come against you with, well, there's this, this, and this. They're like, no, no, no. Let me clear up your misunderstandings. And then you open up His Word, and you say, no, God is a loving God. He's not a hateful God. Oh, yeah, you're looking at it from this perspective, but this is what I've learned. Because you know God. So the more you know God, the more you're able to make Him known clearly and get rid of any, any doubts, any misunderstandings, or anything. Now, this happens all the time because I would say that maybe sometimes you might have a, a fight or, or a dispute of something with another person. 
And generally, what you want around you are people to be your advocates because they know you. And so they can say, no, 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 no. I, that's not what that meant. I, I know them. They don't feel that way. This is what's really going on. And they can kind of help your cause. It's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. And the people that are closest to you that know you the best can be your best advocate. So in the same fashion, you, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you are born again, you must know God. You must. If you don't know God, you can't be saved. You have to know Him. And once you become saved, now you have the beginning, foundation, peace of knowing who God is and then to be able to clear any other misunderstandings anybody else has. Because there's a ton that are out there. I mean, even when Jesus came, there were tons of misunderstandings about how to do this whole thing, about worshiping the Lord. I mean, the Pharisees, who were the professionals, knew nothing. Otherwise, Jesus would have been a Pharisee. Right? There would have been no reason for him to come, and if he came, he would have been one of them, and he wasn't. And he directly went against them. So here is the very first thing, manifesting God's name. Unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. As you converse through this world, and you live your life, and you have discussions, there are certain people that you're going to have opportunities with that you can manifest God's name. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. So that's really where it comes from. When you evangelize somebody, you're bringing them along and you're leading them to the Lord. And now they know for sure that it's not just you and what you think. It's about God and what he thinks and what his word says. So you've got to be able to do that. Verse 8, For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. He didn't make up his own. He gave them exactly what God said, and they received them. And they have known surely, they have assurance, that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. So this is the very first thing. So evangelism. If you're going to evangelize right, you've got to have these three things in your life. First of all, you've got to love the Lord. And I mean it. Not just with your mouth, with your heart, with your life. If you don't, you will not open up your mouth to talk about God to anyone. The things you love come out of your mouth, just naturally. And so how much do you actually talk about God, your church, your church friends, the things that God's teaching you, discipleship? Like if these are things that are not in the forefront of your heart and mind, then it's never coming out of your mouth. So take some personal inventory. Because it should be. It should be. Otherwise, you're never going to be knocking on any doors spiritually to have conversations with people. You've got to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when you do that, then you will love the lost properly. You won't evangelize out of guilt. You know what I mean? I've been there. I still struggle with that sometimes. Where I evangelize and try to invite someone just because I feel bad that I haven't been doing it. That's not how it's supposed to work out. Because you love God, you then love other people. And you care for their soul. Some of you don't even care enough about your own soul to do anything spiritually. Which is sad. You should. It's the most important thing that God has ever given you. And it needs to be redeemed first and foremost. And then from there, love Him because He redeemed you. And then you'll start loving other people. It really is that simple. And as you do that, as you love God and you love the lost, then you will lead the lost to Jesus Christ. Because it's not about you. It's not about your opinion. It's not about how even you feel about it. It's that you need to lead them to the Savior who can actually save them. Because you can't save anybody. I've had plenty of conversations with people where I have tried to save them, per se. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I need to lead them to the Lord. Because He's the only one that can meet them where they are and actually save them. 
So that's part of our responsibility. That's what Jesus did with his disciples. Now let's do uh, verses 9 through 17. Give me a reader for that one. 9 through 17. Who would like to read those ones? Andy! If nobody else will, I will take it. Well, I mean, your hand went up. I think God was really stern in your heart on that one. <laughs> Every day. <Are> you ready? <laughs> yes, I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. I pray for them. I okay. pray not for the world, but for them that which thou hast given me. For they are for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep thou thine own name, those whom thou hast given me, and they may, may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come to I, and now come to I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the word hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth, and thy word is truth. Alright, so this chunk of verses here I would label as discipleship, 9 through 17. So here they've been redeemed. They've trusted Christ, they've trusted God, they have the mission, and now you have verse 9 through 17 of discipleship. Discipleship. Now, he's not praying for the world, but he's praying for them, and he's glorified in them. And then look at verse 11. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. See, he's making that they're now his disciples. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. This is what God always desires when it comes to disciples, that they are all on the same page, that that disciple is on the same page with Jesus, with God, with the Holy Spirit, so that way they can go and do the job that they're supposed to do. Verse 12, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I kept, and none of them lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. One of the big responsibilities of a discipler is that you protect and you watch out for your disciple. And that's what Jesus did. While I was in the world, I kept them in your name. Accountability. Responsibility for that individual. And now they've matured enough as a disciple where now he's ready to leave, and now he's giving them a mission. And then he says in verse 13, And now I come to thee, these things I speak in the world, that they might have joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them. That's what happens when you're a disciple. And they are not of the world. See, you can't fit in. You can't, as a disciple, you don't fit with this world. It's incompatible. It, you, you just, it's, it doesn't work. It's like you're trying to take a, a, an app that's designed for iOS and you're installing on an Android. Like, it doesn't work at all. It's impossible. It's, it's, you've been translated, which I, this is why I love these illustrations. Well, God says very specifically, the moment that you're born in, you've been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of His dear Son. That's why you don't fit. Those of you that have gone to Mexico, and you speak hardly any Spanish, when you step foot into Mexico and you start hearing something spoken to you, and you're like, huh, huh, I don't know what to do. Where's my paperback? <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Start freaking out and have an anxiety attack. Some of you start sweating. Did I put my deodorant on? Oh, no. I mean, there's so many things that start to go wrong and start to go haywire in your head because it, you don't fit. Like, that's not your environment. I will never forget when I, when, I, when I stepped off of the plane 
from uh, Chicago to Japan. It was like, holy crow, where am I? I mean, we ain't in Kansas anymore. I, you walk through, you get off the plane, you start going up the steps, and all of a sudden you start hearing weird sounds that you've never heard in your entire life. You start going out and then you see all these people that a completely different nationality that you've never seen before. You look at a stand where they're selling food and you're like, what is that? And I can't even read. Where's the bathroom? I don't even know where the bathroom is. And then you go into the bathroom, you can't operate the toilet. I mean, you can't. It's weird. And then you're like, oh, heated seats. And then all of a sudden you hit a certain button and it goes, whoo, and then it sprays you because it's just Japanese and it's a bidet and you can look that up later. And so it's one of those deals where it's a completely different culture, completely different. And it's like that as a born-again believer. When you are born again, you are different. Whether you like it or not, you are different. And you don't fit. You don't fit. And when you try to make yourself fit into this world, you get frustrated spiritually because God is convicting you saying, Hey, you don't fit. Stop trying to fit into something you don't fit into. And there's so many other illustrations we can go on with that one, but we won't. We can save that for the Christmas party. So, here's the reality behind it. These guys are now hated by the world because now they are different people. They have believed God. They've received His Word. And now they're in enemy territory. And now they need to grow up as disciples. And that's why he says here, I pray, verse 15, not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So when you don't fit, guess what you need to do? Sanctify yourself. You don't fit? Stop trying. Be who God has actually made you to be. And then you'll find peace. You will. That is discipleship. So that means that you become a disciple of Jesus Christ. That you actively participate in ministry... Keyword, active, actively, actively, not inconsistently. If you're going to be active, it means you are consistent. You cannot be active unless you are consistent, which means you're faithful. It's very important. If you are a disciple, you will then be actively participating in the ministry or learning how to. And then as you do that, you will then make disciples of Jesus Christ. Because as you're actively participating in the ministry, God will teach you how to make other people disciples of Jesus Christ. Because you became one. And some of us might feel insecure about that. But the reality is if you are taking steps of obedience to be a disciple, then you have every right to turn around and invite someone else along the same journey to become a disciple because you are. That's all it is. It's very simple. It's very easy if we're willing to just keep it in mind that way. And I was reading something this past week, and I loved it. I sent it out to um, my leaders this past week. But in Romans 12, 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You are here because you have service to complete that is reasonable. And your body is a vessel, a tool in the hand of God to reach everyone else around you. Listen to this. I love this. This is from a guy named Pastor Jay Shug. He's an awesome guy. All right. He's actually one of the pastors that supports Eddie and Sarah Ziss. He says this. For many Christians, the idea of total devotion to God's mission may not be a reality. 
Sure, many of us have surrendered some parts of our lives over to Christ, or even most parts of our lives to Christ, and maybe even at times all of our lives, only to find that a week, a month, or a few years later, we have picked back up the life that we once laid down in surrender to Christ. Complacency sets in, carnality takes root, and compromise takes over, and then we lose focus. As missionary Brian Clark so aptly taught from Romans 12.1, our bodies are to be offered as a consecrated, complete, continual sacrifices to Christ's mission. This is not only what God expects us to do, but it is actually the only type of life that God can use to accomplish His mission. That's huge. God can only accomplish His mission if you are completely surrendered and obedient and submissive to Him. The moment that you stop, your ability to glorify God and do the mission is over. It's over. And that's why a lot of people can't make it. Because they don't want to do that. That cost is too high. It's too high for them. And so now you have evangelism, now you have discipleship, and then lastly, number three, commissioning. Commissioning. I'll read 18 through 23. Commissioning. Evangelism, discipleship, and now commissioning. Verse 18, As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they might also they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Oh, I love this. Okay, so he commissions them out to do a job. But notice what Jesus said in verse 21. I emphasized that and in verse 23. He sent them to evangelize and disciple, according to verse 21 and 23, that the world may believe that Jesus is real, and that he was sent by God to do a mission, to save the world. And, verse 23, that the world may know that God the Father, that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. So those are the two reasons why, if you're doing your job as a disciple, right here, you're commissioned out, because the world needs to see that Jesus is real, and that he came to die for them, and they need to see that God loves you, as you love Him, and this is a real relationship going on. This is so important. Because if you're not a faithful disciple, those two things will not exist. You can't prove anything. I have seen so many Christians that walk the religious path and prove neither one of those things. According to their life, Jesus isn't real. They're just doing this thing because of some religious tradition, whether it's their family or, or, or somehow it makes them think that they're better than what they are. And that God and their relationship doesn't even work because you can see it. You can see it in their own life. It's evidence because they're, the choices that they're making, the people they're hanging out with, the stuff they're saying, the things they're doing, have nothing to do with God. And everyone knows it. They're walking hypocrites. It frustrates me. And that's why God has set it up this way. You evangelize to make those disciples to then commission them out. Because you can't go and do what God commanded you to do and multiply 
unless you've learned how to be a faithful disciple. You can't. And you certainly can't do that if you're not saved. So that's always the first step. And so that's the letter A. Go and do what the Lord commanded and multiply. You can see those verses later. It's exactly what He commanded us to do. And you can't multiply if you don't have anything to multiply, by the way. And then letter B, commissioning requires preparation, risk, and transition. Commissioning requires preparation, risk, and transition. And that's where we are. We are at a spot where we have been preparing, 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 and preparing. And now we're at a spot where we need to take a risk and do this if God's going to require us to be faithful. And now we need to transition. And you can see this. Like if you take any amount of time, if you've read the book of John before, John 13, 14, 15, 16, now 17, Jesus preparing his disciples for what's coming. He's saying, listen, I'm going to go and I'm going to die. Oh no, you're not going to... I'm going to go and I'm going to die. And then he goes and he prepares them and he gives them everything they need. And then he dies. And then what do they do? They freak out. They run to come back. And then they all gather together. They go fishing. And then you have Jesus there. And then he spends the next 40 days with them. And then they're at the top of Mount Olives. And they're like, is this now the time? Like, are you now going to restore the kingdom? And then all of a sudden, he goes, nope. <laughs> More or less. <laughs> and they're like, whoa, 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 what do we do? <laughs> like, our leader, Jesus, just left. And remember what we talked about on Tuesday? Any successful ministry or group of people, their success is never based upon an individual. So when Jesus left, what happened? They succeeded because Jesus did His part faithfully to prepare them for what's coming. The Spirit of God came, indwelled them, and they went out and they started doing the work. And that continued all the way up until this day. That was a huge risk. Like, do you even know the disciples? I mean, for real. Let me just give you a quick couple highlights. Uh, one of them was called Satan. Right? Because he basically blasphemed and says, No, God, that's not going to happen. And he's like, Ah, oh, get behind me, Satan. Um, two of them wanted to call fire down from heaven and destroy an entire city. And Jesus is like, You morons. I didn't come to destroy people's lives. I came to save them. While they're walking with Jesus, they're debating about who's the greatest. And Jesus is like, Ah, uh, no. Give me a little child. <laughs> this child is greater than all of you. I mean, there's just there's so many, so many things where these guys were knuckleheads. I mean, to entrust the mission of saving the world to 11 of them. And by the way, one of them wasn't even human, by the way. He was a devil. So we can get into that later because that's fun to get into. But anyway, you start to go into some of those details. And my goodness, this was a huge risk. But it had to happen. In order to move into the next phase, to go and to multiply, the transition needed to happen. And as we make disciples and we reproduce reproducers and reproduce reproducing churches, we have to take risks and we have to transition. We have to. If we never transition, we're never going to grow. We're never going to multiply. We're never going to get the job done. And I don't want that. So even though this is incredibly emotional for me, it has to happen. It must happen. Because if it didn't, if it couldn't, then what the heck are we doing? We're certainly not glorifying the Lord. 
Because He called us to go and to make disciples and to multiply. And so if we never do this, then why are we even doing this? And that's the point. We have to have the same heart that God has. And if God had to transition out of roles in order to see other people succeed and to multiply successfully, then we've got to do it too. So there's going to be a lot that's coming. And as you guys have questions, I mean, feel free to talk to us about it and we'll be working through a lot of different details. Um, But this is very, very important. And it's something that has to take place and it is definitely time. So the time frame right now uh, is um, end of February is going to be the sending off of the new church. Um, Whether or not that is the target that actually hits or not uh, depends on the work that's going to get done. And it may change whether it's brought up a week or you know, pushed out another week or something like that. But that's the general time frame, unless God does something drastically different. But as far as the lay of the land and what we see and what's going on, this is the plan. And I wanted to uh, make sure that you guys were on the same page with it. All right? Okay. All right, well, let's go ahead and pray, and then we can get out of here. Father, thank you so much for our time together this morning. I pray that you'd help us just to internalize these things and and really help us to um, be faithful as we uh, multiply. It's not going to be easy. Um, It never is, these moments of transition. And I pray, God, that you would keep us from the evil uh, that wants to stop these things from happening. And if um, something unfolds, I pray that we learn our lesson um, to be even more faithful and draw closer to you. Uh, But God, I do pray that you please protect us and watch over us. And... um, that you would grow us and to multiply us, that we might be able to glorify you even better. So we love you. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.